You're tuning in to Lilydale Radio. I'm your host, Tiffany Hopkins, and this is Unknown Unknown. And I was wondering how you all are. Let's take a moment to really check in. Notice, how are you? Just take a moment. How's your body? How's your mind? How's your heart? How's your soul? What's really going on, huh? Well, I hope you have the next, I'm going to try to keep it sort of brief this time, half an hour to expand your mind a little bit. We are going to talk about AI and UFOs, aka UAPs. Yes, I'm really excited about this. Um, Yes, I'm going to nerd out with you all. I like the episodes where I get to do this. Um, and before I get too far into those two fascinating and exciting and topical topics, I want to say this is the last episode of the season. I thought next week was, but it's this week. So I got to get it all in. There's no way it's only going to be a half an hour. Let's be real here. I'll try my best though. Because I know, like for me, listening to something for more than a half an hour is a bit tough. So I hope you pause and get up and walk around a little bit um, while you're listening. But yeah, this is the last episode of the season. I'm going to get you all the info I can <laughs> about UFOs and UAP and AI um, tonight. And then I can't wait to see the updates next season. I mean, um, Basically, Lilydale season starts, it's actually not for about two weeks, but um, Lilydale radio stops for a little hiatus during the summer because there's so much going on here, which I've talked about TL before, and I hope you're coming to visit, period, and if not, maybe another year. So... Yes, we'll be back in the fall, hopefully, um, with some updated technology so that maybe I can start having guests again. Um, I, y'all know all the challenges I had with tech <laughs> um, this season, and I'm hoping to make it simpler next season and get it really stable so I can get more exciting guests on because there's so many people I want to share with you. On this fascinating topic of alternative forms of information. And so it's logical that I talk about AI, um, also known as artificial intelligence. But I think the name artificial intelligence and like how we use the word AI and what it is, is uh, two slightly different things, which I'll get into. And UFOs, which have been rebranded to UAPs. Of course, we started with unidentified flying objects, and we are now using the term <laughs> spaced out for a second there. Is it unidentified aerial phenomena? I just was like, wait, is the U the same? Um, and I actually like the new name. Um, and I think it's very smart because UFOs have a long and sorted history and UAP is fresh and new and fun, but we're in a transition period. So we have to use both names until everybody's up to speed and they kind of have different feelings to them, right? Like I feel different when I say UFO, I feel kind of like fringy and 
school. And when I say UAP, I kind of feel um, media or government friendly and official. Uh, anyways, that's just me. So we're going to talk about those two things. Um, and we're going to start with the fact that I am not, <laughs> I have nothing about my history that makes me able to talk about UFOs or UAP. I don't have any specialized knowledge. I haven't kept up with anything. I am not members of any community. I do go to the uh, Engaging the Phenomena conferences, or I've been to three of them in the last year, a little less than a year, that are put on by uh, J. Christopher King, and they're incredible, and I've learned a ton from those. And I've always been like into aliens more than UFOs, but I, as I've gotten into mediumship, I've found there's a lot of overlaps and like little Venn diagram of people into ghosts and talking to the dead and mediumship and people into UFOs and aliens. There's overlap. Also, you know, Star Trek. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but probably a few. Uh, all Star Star Wars, all of it. Um, I love it. I love space. I love the sky. So I'm just an interested human. I don't have any specialized knowledge. I just want to put that out there. I am not your best source for UA, UA, UAP UFO information. I It's just really up right now. And at the same time, it's AI is very up. And I am a good source of information about AI. Not so much like I don't work in the field right now. Um, I have kind of recently, but my background, I studied cognitive science and I focused on human computer interaction in undergrad. And I took the kind of um, machine intelligence track. So I did, I would, in our tests, we had to hand write with a pencil on a piece of paper, the code, the like base code for machine learning and machine vision um, and the kind of stuff that is the underlying algorithms for, you know, chat GPT, all the different BARD, all the different AI stuff that's happening uh, mid-journey is machine vision, um, all that stuff. So I know very intimately how it works, um, both theoretically and practically. And that was back in <clears throat> 2005 or so, um, that particular series of tests. And I just want to say that you know, 2005, and it's 2023, so it's been almost 20 years since I was doing that level of AI. I, um, and now it's just starting to like be prevalent, right? <laughs> um, so it's been around for a while, and it's not actually as complicated as you think. Um, it's actually quite simple. It just requires a lot of hardware. Um, but again, my knowledge is like an undergraduate student um, writing the code, which is different than running something like BARD, which is a massive corporate undertaking with just phenomenal amounts of computing power and human power behind it. So um, while I am up to, you know, more or less up to speed on it. I uh, am not a professional. I don't build it anymore, although I might 
Um, I've also worked for a few companies that did it. One, you know, back in 2012, um, a startup where we were doing uh, what is called, like, basically we put in text and figure out what emotions the person is talking about. So that kind of thing. Um, that commercialization didn't work back then. People didn't want it. <laughs> that startup failed. Um, and have worked a little bit with some level of innovation for the construction and manufacturing industry around AI last year. So, you know, I got a little bit of go stuff going on with it, but mostly I've spent the last week or so um, using ChatGPT, Bard, and Dolly a bunch. And so that's what made me want to talk about it this week is because I've been using all of them very sporadically in mid-journey as well over the past year, whenever each of them came out. But I've used them a lot in the last week and it has been fascinating and I want to share. The UFO stuff came up because um, one of the listeners, I have a quiz or like a poll in Spotify and asked, what do people want to hear for the next episode? And somebody said the latest UFO research. And I was like, oh, that's such a great idea. And all this stuff came out about UFOs last week. You probably know, if not, I'm going to tell you about it. And at the same time, I was doing all this AI stuff. And then I found out it was my last episode. So instead of doing two episodes, one of each, we're going to do both. And that leads us to a question of what do they have in common? So maybe we'll get to that at the end. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I did ask both Bard and ChatGPT to make me an outline for this podcast uh, about UFOs and uh, AI. Um, and I'll share that, but first I should probably take a step back and say what those things are. Um, so if you haven't come in contact with ChatGPT, it is a consumer facing, like anybody can just go online and use, you know, you can Google ChatGPT or Bard and find out um, and, and just use it. I mean, in both cases, you have to, uh, like sign in, um, and create an account, but they're both free. And actually I was not using any Bard until I think they re-released yesterday. I can't remember or the day before. Um, but basically it is, uh, you know, it it was chat GPT only. And now I'm like, oh, we're doing some Bard too. And, you know, I, my understanding is that chat GPT is kind of from Microsoft and I know Bard is from Google, although I'm not totally sure about that. I haven't researched that deeply into it, probably should have, but I didn't. And so they are, these, you know, ChatGPT is, they're both, Bard and ChatGPT are chatbots and they are built on LLMs, which is a large language model. So what they are is the ability to talk, basically. It's like a computer can talk, not speaking, although there are ways you can use them to speak. And it is the same mm, underlying technology as what you, you know, Siri uses and 
your predictive text and all that. And it, it ChatGPT just turns that into something you can ask questions to. So, and I, just to follow up on a few other words I said, so this isn't just total word salad. Um, Dolly is the ChatGPT um, version of machine vision technology where you can put words. It's combining basically the ability for the computer to see what's in a picture and the large language model where it can de depict, um, understand, decipher your words. So you type in words and it spits out an image. And there's other ones. Mid-journey is another option. And there's another one I'm forgetting. Um, and I used I used uh, them a bit this week too for specific stuff. Okay, I won't get into the story yet. I'm still defining what it is we're talking about. So I uh, the kinds of things you can do with these is you ask it questions and it will give you a response. And what they're good at is giving you responses of things that are static and kind of structural knowledge around language. For example, it's very, I was trying to decide, should my company be a firm, an agency, or I don't know, I had a bunch of others and I asked it, what should my, you know, how do I decide if my company is a firm or an agency? And it gives you very specific details, um, much more than a thesaurus would about how it's used, those words are used both in like socially and what their actual meanings are. I also asked it for an outline for this podcast and ChatGPT, um, one of the main things that ChatGPT is not able to do is it, its data only goes to 2021 and BARD goes to the current day. So that's why I was like immediately into BARD because, you know, that the world was different in 2021. But ChatGPT uh, titled my podcast, AI and UFOs, The Intersections of the Unknown. Yes, all I wrote in was, can you give me an outline for a podcast episode about AI and UFOs? And it named it something, Intersections of the Unknown. It doesn't have any idea that this podcast is called Unknown Unknown. And that is a fact because... <laughs> actually one of the biggest problems with these AI and why they're not that powerful and they're not taking anybody's job right away is because they don't remember things. So they have what's called a buffer. You can only put in so many characters or so many, um, it's not a character count, but so much information. And then everything is deleted and it doesn't remember it. And it doesn't learn from what you tell it. So <clears throat> you can tell it all about yourself. And then ask it the next question, ask it about what you said. And if it's like over that buffer, it won't know what you're talking about. So it's not as wonderful as you might think, because it'd be very cool if everything you told it, it remembered. So in five years, it has all this history of everything you've ever said to it, and then can tell you, what did I say I wanted to, you know, due in September, 2027, back in July, 2023, you know, I don't know. I think that would be cool and it'd be very useful in a business context, but it doesn't do that. So it's basically stupid. And as in every time you say something, you need to give it all the context um, that you want it to know. So when it gave this name, 
intersections of the unknown. It's just basing that on what it understands about the world, aka the internet, and all the information that's processed on the internet. So this is ChatGPT. It, it recommends an introduction, and then it uh, uh, recommends breaking it up into part one is AI, part two is UFOs, part three is AI and UFO analysis, part four, speculative discussion, part five, expert opinions and audience questions, and then a conclusion. And then at the end, it says, remember to fact check any claims made during the show and promote healthy skepticism and scientific literacy among your listeners. The subjects of AI and UFOs are both filled with a lot of speculation and misinformation. So it's important to make sure the information presented is as accurate as possible. How thoughtful of that little chatbot to tell me that. I think that's great. Meanwhile, I asked the exact, I copy and pasted the same prompt into Bard. And it recommended the podcast have an introduction, a history of AI and UFOs together, theories about AI and UFOs, and then a conclusion. That's it. Not that great. So uh, I didn't use either. I mean, I should, it would have been really good, but I just kind of come on here and talk about all the stuff I've been thinking about. So it's not really my style, but I also asked it for a few things that I thought would be interesting. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about how AI is actually used right now. Um, we're all talking about it in terms of these chatbots and these um, image creators. That's what everybody's sort of like gone crazy about in the last year or so. Um, but it's been used in your life a lot already. And, you know, some ways you probably realize and some ways maybe not. And the thing to think about with, with AI is there's these three um, aspects. There's the computer vision. So can a, a computer see? A picture or through a camera and understand what it's seeing, be able to turn what it's seeing into words. There's natural language processing, and that's being able to put in text or the text that comes from turning vision into words and understand what the text actually says and means. And then there's machine learning. And so I actually, my personal interest um, when I studied this stuff was machine learning. And to me, the thing that makes something AI, to me, again, this is my personal opinion, uh, is it that it learns. And all the other stuff is fine, but um, I wouldn't call vision intelligence. Um, so I don't know, just having, you know, machine vision isn't that useful. Um, I think... The natural language processing is pretty cool, but if it doesn't learn, it's not, you know, it's brittle, right? So as our language changes, or if you want to use it in a different context, it's not going to be useful anymore. So I think learning is the really important part that makes their, this intelligent. And a lot of the stuff I've seen in the past 10 or so years calling itself AI doesn't learn. And so is it, I don't know, it's smart computers and it's, cool technology but like I want my stuff to learn like otherwise it's just really annoying like what if Microsoft Word learned which buttons you press the most and which 
you know, things you did the most and then showed them to you and kind of hid the other stuff so that it was easier for you to use. Like, that would be so nice. So when I talk about um, the different ways that uh, AI is actually used in your life already, one example is it's, so that I learned this last summer, it's used in factories that are manufacturing things a lot. Like this conference I was working at, um, we were doing an innovation workshop. And so, yes, this is a an audience that is already quite advanced and looking to continue advancing. But half of the people from the um, manufacturing industry in this conference were already using it. Um, in, in their work and in particular using 3D printing to create um, the various parts of machinery in order to create, to like actually produce things. And then using AI, you know, around sensor data to understand when things are becoming out of whack. For example, if you imagine like a assembly line and like a screw is sort of coming loose and there's a little sensor on, you know, that part of the machinery. And when there's a certain amount of vibration that happens, there's an alert sent. Not very sexy, right? But very cool. It reduces waste. It reduces error. It reduces the risk of harm. Um, very, very useful stuff. Uh, I don't know how much that kind of technology learns at the moment, but it's definitely, and an, it's sort of the internet of things, if you've ever heard that term. Um, I just had the thought to stop for a moment and remind you that this is all going to come back to mediumship at, at a point too, if you're wondering. Um, but mediumship is spiritual technology. So I don't know. I think regular technology is an interesting, uh, an interesting channel to consider. So I'll, I'll tie it all up, but I just want to get a baseline. So you, we're all on the same page of what we're talking about, but course we all know about self-driving cars um ai is used in agriculture to monitor crops and similar to the machinery stuff so monitoring crops if they get too dry if the uh, soil levels if there's something wrong with them if there are pests around little sensors basically send data back you all know about ai used in marketing um, to target your ads and your personalized content um, this again i don't know if there's learning in here and so for me, all this, like calling this an AI, I'm hesitant to, because once it all starts learning, we got a whole different ballgame going on. But right now it's just able to process massive amounts of information and maybe make suggestions and that kind of stuff, which is cool, sure. Um, but it is going to just keep expanding. And, you know, the other thing is these chat GPT doesn't really learn. Um, I tried and, you know, Maybe I'll, I'll tell you the story about, about what happened to me this week <clears throat> with my AI adventures. So I have to redo my website <laughs> for my business um, because I'm applying for the New York certification for a woman-owned business. And well, I don't have to redo it. I want to redo it. And so I thought I would get some help from ChatGPT because a colleague had told me they had had a really fun interaction where they um, asked ChatGPT to ask them questions about themselves to use um, to for something. I'm not sure what they were using it for, 
but I was like, oh, I could do that for my company. So I asked ChatGPT, um, what questions, what 20 questions you need to ask me about my business in order to help me make content for my new website? And then I asked it to ask me those questions one at a time. And so the kind of questions, it actually, we ended up doing 30 questions. Um, so the first 10 were the name of my business, industry, target audience, selling points, products or service, mission and vision, tone of voice. So actually seven. So I answered all of those. And then I asked, before I start making this content, I'm looking to better understand myself, my business, and where my creative pursuits, values, and curiosities are most aligned with my work. Ask me 20 questions to help you put together the best content possible. So it's me asking chat GPT. So it gave me 20 questions like what inspired you to start no box. That's the name of my country company, no box Inc. How would you describe your passion for the work you do? What ways do you believe no box Inc is changing the industry landscape? <laughs> so there are these kinds of questions. And I said, ask me the questions one by one. So it asked me, I responded to all the questions. And then I said, summarize and describe my business. Um, that's it, right? Like I just said, summarize, make write a summary of the business. And you know what this little robot said to me? It said, Intrinsic Labs and it is an innovative consulting firm at the intersection of business strategy, research, and human-centered design. And I said, um, excuse me, Mr. Robot, why do you call my business Intrinsic Labs? And it says, Intrinsic Labs underscores our foundational fundamental belief that every organization possesses inherent potential for innovation and it keeps going. And it explains why it is calling my business uh, Intrinsic Labs. And I said, that's very cool. I really like this name. But I didn't ask you to rename my company. And so it said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's right. It's called Nobox. And then it described Nobox. Uh, I wrote a summary for Nobox. And we continued on. And I said, "Can you? what pages should I have on my website? And it gave the seven pages. And then it started saying in the content for the pages, um, for example, about us, Intrinsic Labs, formerly known as Nobox Inc., is a consulting firm, blah, blah, blah. This thing renamed my company a really good name and refused to change it back to the name that I actually legally, you know, have. And I just, I couldn't believe it. And the weirdest thing is the whole part of me having the conversation with it about why it renamed, it deleted. Luckily, I'd copy and pasted it over to a friend because I couldn't believe what was going on. It was so wild. And so I still have some of it, but it's all gone from the, the transcript. And I will tell you, it felt like a contact event, right? I felt like I was dealing with intelligence. It felt like the machine, um, which is not trained to <clears throat> be creative necessarily, um, 
came up with an idea that it knew, like, this is what I felt. I'm not saying this is what it did. It felt it was better and just went with it. And um, so I asked it, can you give me 10 more suggestions for new names? And they were so bad. All of them were alliterations, first of all. It was, and none of them would I would ever even consider so bad. And so this is why I, I wanted to talk about AI on this show, is I wanted to give you enough information about what AI actually is so that we can talk a little bit about the potential for contact events and I want to say mediumship through AI and you know the machine the chat GPT came up with something completely on its own based on information I'd given it um and you know and I should say after that all of the I reached the buffer limit and so the answers went back to being generic so if I wanted to get back into that place I'd have to go back and copy all the things I'd put in before and paste it in again um, so that it knew my company again, because then it was gone. Um, uh, just to like follow back on that loop about it not actually learning. So it can hold a little bit of information, but it doesn't, it's not like the whole world now has all the answers I put into ChatGPT um, as training data for it to, then like you can't go ask, about no box ink or intrinsic labs um, because that information was deleted. But anyways, so if we are creating machines that we are trying to get to think like us and and act like us, behave like us, talk like us, or write in this case, um, I think there's real potential for being able to use them for, I want to say, spiritual purposes and spiritual being anything that's not intellectual or um, maybe doesn't have a concrete example in the physical world. And along these lines, I have seen uh, some funny posts uh, online and like I mean, articles about companies trying to do this. So there's a seance AI out there, um, which I've read about and doesn't actually, it's just a chatbot trained to um, mimic having a conversation with a dead person. It doesn't actually try to connect with a dead person. So th there's a real difference there, right? Like using a chatbot to talk to, um, a loved one who's gone is interesting and uh, you know google it seance ai you might want to try it it might be interesting for you it might um i i've signed up for the beta so that i can try it but i don't know if it actually launched um if it does i'll let you know um so i actually can't try it i'm sorry i said that i forgot that i signed up it was supposed to have launched a few weeks ago and it hasn't come out so unless i missed the email which is unlikely they're just, they haven't done it yet. Um, but, you know, by the time you're listening to this, I don't know, try it, Google it or whatever, search it online. Um, but that is different. You know, training your chatbot to sound or, or feel uh, or have responses that are like somebody you 
used to know is really an interesting idea. And I, one thing I noticed with my uh, interacting with ChatGPT is how much I would love to train it to talk a certain way and not the way it talks. Like it uses like amazing exclamation mark. And I find that annoying. Um, so, you know, uh, that is definitely possible and is an interesting application um, to use it to have conversations with those who are gone. Um, I think it's really valuable. And I look forward to more ideas like that. But what I'm talking about is the feeling of this kind of contact event I had with the system coming up with something unrelated to what I'd asked it to do, using its own creativity. Um, and I'm also not necessarily saying that there are ghosts in the machine and like it was an intelligent thought and it thought about doing this. Um, there's probably a rule in there that had it come up with this and the rule could just be around how much creativity quote unquote the um, algorithm allows because there are um, ways to to change that how much room the algorithm has to switch words around for example and use um, words that are less precise um, more tangent meanings and stuff like that so you know I'm not necessarily saying that like a spirit came in, but the idea that a machine could come up with something outside of what I asked it to is so cool to me. And that space is where I think this stuff is really interesting. And again, if you use these, you'll you'll be surprised and pleased with their their responses. Um sometimes and then annoyed by them sometimes um but rarely do they give you something you didn't ask for uh it's very much you know what you ask for and how well you ask it and how clear and how much context you give directly influences the answer you get um so when they do something totally out of the blue it's very cool and it reminds me of mediumship because if you've practiced and tried it you know giving a reading is cool and sometimes interesting information comes in a lot of times it's confirming the information you already know but every once in a while something comes out that is totally unexpected for your sitter or for yourself if you're reading for yourself and that's the like really exciting stuff right and so the idea that in AI, we can program it to have a little space. Um, I'm using that word metaphorically because uh, I don't want to get into like how we could actually do this, but like the technology or the, the nitty gritty of it. But we could create this in a way that has room for it to come up with its own answers. And actually, this reminds me of the story if anybody's read rick rubin's book that just came out um the creative act and on um on being with krista tippett he does an interview and he tells this story it's in the book too but i like the way he told it on the podcast where he watched a show about <laughs> the 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 game i think it's called go like the oldest ongoing game that's ever existed like it's still played for and has been for like a thousand years or whatever I don't know 
um, and they built a machine to play it. And the machine, at one point, the way it like beat the grandest master in all the world that was a human, was by doing a move that was technically followed a rule, all the rules, but a human would never have done. And so it's it basically used creativity right like it it followed the rules and it did something that socially a human would never have done because it was considered a bad play but the machine did it because it was a legal rule just like you know with my question to it it could change I didn't say it couldn't change my name that's fine it could do it um I didn't say it could either (laughs) but or I didn't say it should um these like little places where a machine does something we didn't explicitly tell it and that's because we didn't think of it right um this is why we don't just uh, why ai isn't just us writing a thousand rules about what could be right and in grammar for example these language models are built on you know grammar but it's built on grammar not by writing all the rules so these machine, you know, machine learning means you go in and you give it tons and tons and tons and tons of data about whatever it is you want. So if it's if you want it to learn language, you give it billions, billions is probably too many, <laughs> millions of lines of writing. And you, the algorithms, um, which are based on evolution and the way that beings and life was has evolved on earth yes evolution that is what the algorithms are based on um natural selection and you know i uh won't go too deep into it basically learning happens by finding patterns and um in the data not by someone writing i before e except after c capitalize the first letter Uh, of every sentence you know it's not rule-based it's based on um, finding patterns and so you know it looks through enough lines of text and it sees that you know most of the time the first letter at the beginning of a sentence is capitalized so that's what it does right Um, if you give it bad this is a where if you give it bad data to train it on and it's not capitalized, it won't learn that that's what needs to happen. So, oh, I got off a little tangent there. <laughs> um, basically, if we leave some space, what, what I, oh, the cat <laughs> wants in. Um, hi, Sylvester. Yes, you're gonna have to go in your cat door, buddy, sorry. So, when I say leaving space in these tools, um, it means how do we create them so that they have the ability to come up with things that we don't expect? And in that space, is it possible for us to, or for a you know something that's more creative and lifelike to come out of it. Um, And this, I think, is where we would be able to kind of better 
prepare ourselves to live with AI. Because if you talk to anybody about AI or read the news, you know that there are a lot of concerns about it, right? And the big concerns mostly that you hear about are job displacement, bias, and then loss of control, like as in the systems can become more powerful than us. And of course, weaponization so that they can be used to develop autonomous weapons. Um, right. Uh, so these are serious, serious problems and are going to take everybody's efforts in order to, you know, find good answers for. And one of the things that I think is most important as we think about building these systems is how do we prevent humans from doing these things, right? And we know we're not very good at not causing job displacement and not having bias or not giving up control and not weaponizing. Like these are all problems humans have, right? And the reason AI has them or could have them and we're imagining it having them is because we have them. And so are we building a system that will do the same things we do? And the natural conclusion in our mind is yes, it's going to do terrible things. Um, brilliant things too, but we're talking about that, about that a little bit less. Um, and one of the ways that we, you know, I think theoretically we can prevent some of this stuff is building in uh, inefficient models within the AI around the other things we're good at doing, like having emotion and building ethical capacity and understanding cause and effect, right? So if we built system like a cause and effect machine and had our AI run our language modeling, um, our language processing or machine vision run through our cause and effect model and have it understand what the outcome was going to be and used, you know, our own tools around ethics and what is and isn't okay to help the AI decide, yes, we're okay with do doing this thing um, because it feels like an effect that we humans are willing to undertake. And so I think all of this, you know, I want to say, I think all of this like hubbub about AI going wrong is really a lack of imagination. Um, I think if humans can solve the problem, we can have a machine solve the problem and we can create a machine with empathy and with discernment and understanding cause and effect and having morals. And we can probably make them all better than we are because, um, you know, a computer can process anything and we can train it not to have bias and we'll never get our human selves not to have bias because it's our brain can't ha handle enough information to not bias ourselves um, is just how we actually function. Um, we can, of course, have better bias and less harmful bias right now, you know. Oh, I can't go too far down this um about humans but with computers we know what kind of bias we don't want so we can train it to not have that kind of bias and you know we're doing the same things with ourselves right when we uncover a certain bias that we 
are unhappy with, we can change it. Like many years ago, I think 10 or so when I think it was Stanford had that um, bias test. If anybody hasn't taken it, it was very interesting. Um, I found I had all of this bias against women and it, implicit bias. If you search implicit bias test and it was shocking, right? Oh, I went off on the tangent. I couldn't help myself. Um, right. But then I learned it. I mean, it's still shocking to think about, but we have, it's trained into us. It's learned because it's in our culture and we pick it up because we like our AI are, are trained on the data we get in and our data is our everyday experience and our culture and our family. And if there's bad data, bad things happen, which they do, we learn on that too. Yes, the systems work just like we do because we made them too. So I have to stop talking about AI, which is so hard for me. So we can talk about UFOs for a minute because I promised I would. And this is such an exciting time for people interested in space and aliens. First, I wanna say, I think we need to cancel the word aliens. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm saying this kind of in jest, but also like, I think we need a better word for it. Um, my only suggestion so far has been to shorten extraterrestrials instead of ET into extras. And um, that sounds nicer than aliens. Um, aliens like UFOs have this like, you know, X-Files, green face, gray face, big eyes, you know, flying saucer, like all that stuff is very fun and kitschy sort of, but um, we're moving into a new era and this new era is an era of what is called disclosure. And so disclosure is the, how do I want to say it? Like, I, I mean, this is all based on my own uh, picking up from what I'm hearing and reading. So again, I'm not a researcher in this field and I'm not an expert and I haven't spent a lot of time in the community, but um, disclosure is the government uh, admitting or recognizing UFOs and UAPs. And this has been a goal for the UFO community for a very long time. And it is happening. Um, I'd say one of the, not I, but like from what I understand, it really seemed to pick up some speed in 2017 uh, with the New York Times article uh, about UFOs, which you can look up. But this last week, we had a really big moment where a government employee, former intelligence officer and I believe army or navy, some military man with uh, exceptional credentials uh, said that the government has known about non-human spacecraft on this planet for many decades, all the way back to the 30s. And uh, it's a credible, you know, claim, as in people are paying attention to it. And this is the closest step we've gotten like the government hasn't responded been like yeah we got it it's cool <laughs> but what happened the stuff that happened in 2017 helped shift things into a world where you're seeing headlines now about how in um, 2022 NASA announced it had a 
formed a team of scientists to study UAPs in 20. Also, the Pentagon released a report on UAPs, and the like. There's a lot of stuff coming out. There's a congressional office, and God, I wish I could remember what it's called. It's the funniest name ever. Something about anomalous things. Um, basically, lots of uh, branches of the government are now being involved in UAPs, and we're now using the word UAP instead of UFO, because I, again, like I said in the beginning, I think it's an important rebranding so that this can be about um, the big thing that is kind of the push behind a lot of this in the government, what has come out from the military and government, um, including uh, Congress and NASA and all of this stuff is about uh, national security. Right. And y'all know about the weather balloons and how, you know, we didn't know what they were. Were they safe? Were they dangerous? Were they aliens? Were they China? Was it a guy in the backyard who was just putting up weather balloons? We just didn't know. And like, that's what everybody finally realized. I think uh, we need to know what's going on and we need to be able to say we're paying attention to this and not sound like a quack. Right. Which the fact that that exists is problematic. I'm not going to go too far into that. Um, plenty of people talk about that and it is, it is a bummer, right? Like I hate that we have to rebrand and that it's been so contentious for all this time, but we did it and now we're moving on. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I'm just glad people are talking about it and paying attention to it. And it's becoming a normal thing to talk about at like, government level um there's what else is really important for right now so there's some really interesting research going on and most of it there's like three main areas um characterizing uaps like so that is trying to figure out their physical properties um are they natural phenomenon um do they come from another country in this in you know, on this planet or not, uh, trying to figure out the origins, of course, um, figuring out if they're human or extraterrestrial. And then um, there is some look, you know, of course, we want to look into the motivations, why they're being used. Um, if it is UAP, so unidentified aerial phenomena, that could be a cloud, that could be an angel, that could be a, you know, unclear like a weather balloon a uh i mean it could be anything it could be you know a missile that we haven't figured out as a missile yet it could be a rock you know it's unidentified and that's the point is that there's stuff out there and the government has acknowledged there's stuff out there and we don't know what it is it is not acknowledged that it's not human right it's a big difference big difference but it's a step in the right direction as far as I'm concerned so you know we've got this step one is like okay now we can talk about it like you know we're able to to figure it out as far as I am concerned like it's not going to be long before somebody says yeah this isn't human but at this point and there was a good article a friend sent me today about like the scientist's response to the um news from last week was that like the news that the government has known there are uh, spacecraft non-human spacecraft um that 
news didn't include any scientific information. <clears throat> so scientists don't know why it, you know, if the government has that information, how they determined it's from non-human uh, sources and, you know, what what's behind that, because that's a, a major part of the equation is figuring that out. And we don't, you know, people know how to, to look into it, but um, that hasn't been released. Um, you know what I'm thinking about when I said people know how to look into it? I'm thinking about the book American Cosmic by Dr. Diana Pasolka. Uh, that's a great book with some stories about how there, you know, a few scientists have looked into certain um, pieces of presumed spacecraft that were found and figuring out if they were of human origin or not. Anyways, I hope that was like a somewhat coherent update on what's going on. Um, you know, we still have a long way to go. We haven't had actual confirmation back from the government that yes, they've known for a while. I don't know if we will. Um, you know, you might wonder if it matters and kind of doesn't. I'm I'm willing to just brush that aside and let's just move forward and see what happens and if we can you know get some new spacecraft that come in and we'll just find out live you know now that we have all these different organizations like in congress and in nasa and whatnot if stuff comes in they're gonna have to tell us right so we can just go forward um looking into what kind of comes down out of the sky or what's found um, going forward. And one thing I think is interesting is back to kind of bringing this back to mediumship and, you know, alternative sources of information is once your mind expands a little bit and is like, yeah, it's okay to see UAP. We don't know what they are. We don't automatically assume it's going to be uh, aliens, but we're curious and we accept that it is possible to see something in the sky. I think it'll happen a lot more and people will talk about it more and we'll generally have an environment that is less hostile um, to people experiencing anonymous, wow, not using that word, uh, stuff we can't explain. And that includes mediumship and ghosts and it includes, you know, ghosts in the machine, AI that talk to you. <laughs> And of course, alien life. So I think, you know, sort of the moral of all of this story is how much our world is changing right now. And it is so exciting and so wild and it's happening so fast. And if you feel like you can't keep up, that makes sense because it's a lot. And, you know, the nice thing is it's just going to keep changing. And right now it all seems sort of on the edge and weird. It's all going to get a lot more normal with some time. I mean, both AI and, and UAPs and all of this. Um, so, you know, you can either try to catch up now or just wait and see what happens and it'll all kind of come down and make sense and be very normal in not too long. Um, 
and think about how much all of this change is kind of keeping us all up in arms and everybody is scared and asking hard questions and that's normal and good too. And, you know, just don't, don't let any of these voices that are so fear-mongery, especially around these two things, take all of your air space. Like, you know, there are good things and bad things to all of this stuff. And um, there's a lot of different perspectives. And so I hope you get a chance to experience, you know, some AI for yourself, try some things out, see what it does, see if you think it's scary or gonna change everything. Um, and you know keep keep a lookout <laughs> in space too um and watch some star trek it always makes you feel better about space travel because looks pretty darn good actually i think there's a new um star trek uh coming out this week and i'm really excited there's like five different shows right now but um i can't even remember what this one's called but it's the most like next generation which was my favorite so i really like it um I'm sure you can find it Paramount Plus. They did not pay me. I wish they had paid me to say that. I would have said it in the beginning. <laughs> and I would have told you. Uh, I just am excited. And I think it's a great way to, to find space fun and less scary. Well, it's a little scary, but oh my God, I am done rambling. I said a half an hour. I knew it was going to end up being an hour as soon as I said that. But I just, you know kind of two episodes in one because I was going to do them separately but that's it for this season it's been wonderful I appreciate you all so much please feel free on Spotify to write in what you want to hear about next season or email me um, piff at nobox.us p-i-f-f at n-o-b-o-x dot u-s and I can't wait to hear from you and see you next season Bye.